Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. Nora, it's Monday night. This is so (laughs) weird for us to be recording on a Monday night, but unfortunately, there's a little brownout where I'm at, and so we lost an entire episode. But, you know, maybe I'll just have a conversation with Nora's audio file later and we'll recreate it if it still makes sense. It probably won't. But, ooh, but there's a silver lining. There is a silver lining, and that silver lining is that we got to watch the debate tonight, and so we get to record an episode that's all about the debate where we learned everything that all the parties are planning to do, all their plans, and there was like a really robust debate about all of the different policies and issues that are really facing people in this election. Yeah, yeah, the debate. So this is going to be a debate episode, but <laughs> that was a joke. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, th- this is going to be a debate episode, but you don't have to have watched it. Actually, it's even perhaps better that you didn't because you didn't waste two hours of your life watching this debate. But we did. And we are going to break it down for you, talk about the big issues that they touched on and what they didn't touch on. And before that, I want to... First of all, shout out the folks that we met uh, in in Los Angeles this past week. We we got to go to a podcast festival. We did. We were at the Work It uh, podcast festival for women in podcasting, and we met some pretty cool people. So, hello. And we were not the only people who were Canada-based there. So, hello, and especially hello to the, the folks we met from north of the border yes and this past month a lot of folks been listening to the podcast i have a feeling the election has to do with that i hope that if you like our content you keep with it you keep checking us out when there isn't necessarily an election going on and um and share it with your friends maybe if you've got folks that have never really tuned into politics and need to think about different things in different ways or to give you something to talk about with your friends definitely share the podcast with them I want to shout out the folks who've given us money in the last couple of weeks. It has been so awesome to get uh, to get some of your funds because your funds, of course, let us do this show. So uh, thank you so, so much to Monica, Adam, Andre, Vanda, and Lori from the past two weeks. And of course, to everyone who's always ongoing, whose name we don't necessarily see pop up uh, every single month. We totally appreciate it. And I'm going to see you in a week. I'm going to see you in a week. Oh, my God. I saw Nora (laughs) last weekend. I'm going to see Nora next weekend because we're doing a live show that, unfortunately, you can't get tickets to if you haven't already because somehow they're sold out. Somehow we're that popular, Nora. Can you believe? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I, I honestly, honest to God, I I can't. It's so bizarre. (laughs) Uh, I have a a bunch of friends who who really thought they were going to be able to go and can't (laughs) because they waited to the last minute. (laughs) Just goes to show friends, kind of friends are you. Um, But in any case, it's totally fine because it is a live show, which means there will be a recording that you can listen to afterwards if you were not able to get tickets. So... We will either see you on Saturday or you'll hear what you missed uh, come the following Tuesday. Yeah. And one final housekeeping note before we get into this super stellar episode. 
we were segmented by podcast playlist, CBC's podcast playlist this past week. And so you may have heard us on CBC Radio on Saturday. Uh, podcast playlist plays again in the week. And so if you are listening to CBC Radio and you happen to hear Sandy Nora talk politics, they uh, they picked up one of our clips from our first election episode where we were talking about the cost of living. And so hopefully you do have a chance to check that out. And if you want to, of course, hear the episode in its entirety, you can check that out at sandynora.com. Sandy. Nora. What was your <laughs> what was your favorite moment? No, is that the best way to set this up? I don't I don't know if that's the best way to set this up. <laughs> Maybe it is. I have a favorite moment. I can talk about my favorite okay. moment. My favorite moment of the debate was the moment where Jagmeet Singh turned to Andrew uh, Andrew Scheer, turned to Maxime Bernier. I mean, who, what's the difference, really? Turns to Maxime Bernier and says that you do not deserve to be on the stage. You should not have a platform. I do not believe that you should be here. When Maxime Bernier tried to do the thing that all right-wing jerks try to do, when you're like, um, I don't think that there should be fascism or racism or white supremacy here. And then the, the, the alt-right or white supremacist jackass says, but free speech, free speech. Don't you believe in free speech? So Maxime Bernier goes, Jagmeet, don't you believe in free speech? Like, or do you only believe in free speech when people agree with you? And Jagmeet's like, listen, I ain't got no problem saying that you shouldn't be here. Like, you should not be here. Your <laughs> your uh, opinions are dangerous. They're dangerous for Canadians. They're terrible. Like, you sh- you don't deserve this platform. And you know what? The, the world didn't explode nobody died it was the perfect thing to say it's the, the exact type of thing that people should always say uh to white supremacists to try to pretend that this is like an issue of free speech instead of an issue of dignity and decency and an issue of like you know i don't need no white supremacists getting platforms and so take it from uh this debate and from jagmeet singh's response to to this type of baiting from the heinous right uh Mm -hmm. fuck that is the way that people should be responding to tripe like that he should not have been on that stage so you know no no and we actually should mention that for folks who might not be aware so this was a debate that was organized by a new federal commission that was set up by justin trudeau and the idea behind this commission maybe we should have to tag this episode with liberal schemes because sandy your scheme radar is gonna go like off the charts super (laughs) off the charts So they set up this federal commission to organize the debates. And the federal commission was the one that picked five moderators, which some people liked. I I had criticisms of, but, you know, it wasn't fatal. And uh, all of the networks had to basically join in on this debate and not have other debates. So this is the only English language debate, and it's governed by a commissioner and a, an advisory board. Sandy, do you know who the commissioner is? I do. I do know who that commissioner is. And his name is David Johnston. And and do you know how much money he made when he was the president of the University of Waterloo? <laughs> I do, because we had a full on argument about it this weekend in L.A. <laughs> when I clearly forgot about this uh, because we must have talked about it at some point um, in 2011 or 2012 when it was happening. 
But I must have forgotten. I thought it was impossible. Nora says to me, you know, he made, remember that guy? He was the one who made a million, over a million dollars as president at the University of Waterloo. And I was like, Nora, Nora, I know he was making the most, but it wasn't over a million dollars. That's nuts. It don't make no sense. And we argued over it and we argued over it. And then we went and we looked at the archives of the Sunshine List. And indeed, this motherfucker made over a million dollars as president of the university of Waterloo. And <laughs> I'm, I must have forgot about it because it just made my brain explode so much. But it's just unfucking real. Before he was appointed governor general, of course. Yeah, of course. And, and, and while we were doing this research, you also discovered that he's still drawing a salary from the University of Waterloo. He is still <laughs> drawing a salary from the University of Waterloo. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Please explain. Jeez. Yeah. If only you had a strong student union. Oh, that's true. That's very true. And so when you watch your tuition fees going up, know that people like David Johnson are making tons of money off of your fees. And if you've ever wondered what a university president actually does, the the honest to God answer is literally fucking nothing. That almost everyone who works in the university environment works harder than the president of the university for uh, like the like a, a fart of the amount of money that that fucking guy made. So He's part of the amount, but what? Okay, sorry, go ahead. So he's the commissioner. There's also members of this group, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's such a fucking side detail, but it's actually really important. They're the ones determining who actually gets to put on these debates. And so on this board is fucking Craig Kielberger. Ah, (laughs) what? I didn't know that. What? Yeah, I I knew. I knew you wouldn't know this, so I'm so happy that you're going to get to react to this in real time. Um, Craig Kielberger? Yes. Uh, oh, my God. The executive director of APTN is the only person on this group that comes from media, which is pretty interesting and a bit weird considering that this is all about, like, the media Debates. doing the debates. Yeah, what? Okay. And APTN was shut out in having a moderator when the consortium decided who would actually be able to moderate this debate. And rather than offering a- APTN uh, a spot to host, right, one of the five segments, they offered APTN to have a journalist Hold a fucking microphone while someone asked a question. No creative content, no comment on on the air. Wow. Let's continue. (laughs) Yes. Also on this board is Megan Leslie, who is a member of parliament for Halifax for the NDP. I'm pretty disappointed to see that she has not resigned over some of the decisions that they made, namely to fucking platform Mm -hmm. Maxine Bernier. And the final person I want to highlight is John Manley. Some people might remember John Manley as being a member of the cabinet of like Chrétien and, and Martin Martin at the end of their, their, their terms. But he is the head of the lobby organization for the chief executive officer organization of Canada. That, my friends, is why Maxime Bernier got a fucking spot in the debates, because there are three criteria that the commission set forward and Bernier did not meet two oh of my them. God. And yet he got his spot. This is a damn mess. This is a mess. So. And he was a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> he was a mess. Yeah, so that's the background of this of this debate. So so what did how did Bernier perform? Wait, before we get to that, we haven't talked about what your favorite moment was. What was your favorite moment? Oh, yeah. My favorite moment was uh, I had two. Uh, the first was when no one asked Bernier a question. <laughs> 
because <laughs> there's an open spot for the leaders to all ask each and other I questions. Mean, thank no. God. If anybody had, it would have been like automatic cancel. Come on. Totally. Totally. Um, I think we actually tweeted at the same time because I saw your message. Pop up. Yeah. <laughs> and my second, which is just goofy, um, was when uh, Trudeau couldn't stop calling Jugmeat Sheer. <laughs> it happened like so weird. That was so like three times. Trudeau was like fully off his game tonight. Like, I mean, he doesn't really have a game. He's generally, you know what? I've never been impressed by Trudeau, but I was like, you know, I felt like he was um, especially unimpressive tonight. But in any case, let's talk. Let's go back and talk about Bernier. 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 Bernier knew exactly what he was doing, actually. He knew that um, in getting this opportunity, he may not, um, you know, like this was his opportunity to say as much as possible, whether he was supposed to be speaking or not, about all of his issues and to put his issues in a way that seemed as least threatening as possible um, to people. So he was trying to, you know, uh, rationalize some of his really racist, anti-immigrant, xenophobic messaging with messaging that was like, you know, we're Canadians, we're proud to be Canadians, and I'm just saying that, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to be racist or whatever. I'm just, I'm just being honest about, you know, we need to be proud to be Canadian and blah blah blah. Like he was trying to couch his really racist, xenophobic uh, rhetoric in this idea of patriotism. And um, the idea that it's okay to be proud to be Canadian and why why aren't we allowed to be proud? But also, he just did everything that he could to interrupt as many people as possible so that he could get as much of a platform as possible, which is, of course, what he's going to do. Um, he isn't allowed in a lot of other spaces um, to speak because... He's a ridiculous candidate, and so he was going to use as much airtime as possible uh, in this debate to further some of his really dangerous ideas. Yeah, and he he did so he played that so cleverly that he was right out the gate dominating. Like anybody that likes one hundred, anyone that likes Bernier got a fucking boner watching this guy's performance. Sorry for the fucking visual. Um, <laughs> no, and and the moderators, quite frankly, were not prepared nope. for it. They allowed him in the first half hour or so, maybe even more. He got so much airtime. I would, I would like, I hope that somebody out there does like some sort of analysis on his airtime mm. versus Justin Trudeau, because I would not be surprised if he got like double Justin Trudeau's airtime. Totally, honestly, because he just, he just, he took every opportunity to speak that he could and he has nothing to lose right so all of the other candidates don't want to look like they're being pushy or talking over people and bernier has nothing to lose and the because the moderators weren't prepared to deal with that and because you know then he relaxed or or stopped doing that after 45 minutes or whatever it doesn't even matter because the most important time of that debate is the first half an hour that's when the most people are watching because after it's like my god this is horrible there's been no bathroom breaks this sucks right Oh my god, I missed a big chunk of it. There's this, there's this. So for people who follow me on Twitter, I'm like tweeting about it, and then I was like, wait, there's no commercials. There's literally no commercials. I have to pee. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Can you guys allow for a pee break? 
next time. Thank you. That's my request, David Johnston. And Craig Kielberger. <laughs> my request is that he finally free those children and that um, that it not be seven to nine because seven to nine was like supper and then bedtime. It was literally the worst fucking possible time for me. And it was a nightmare in my house to watch it. So I was tweeting while I had two children crawling over me asking why Bernier and Blanchette were speaking such terrible French. <laughs> <laughs> They're speaking English. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so we talked about Bernier. Let's move yes. to Sheer. Should we go right to left? <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. <laughs> Let's talk about Sheer. What okay. what did you think about Sheer? Sheer has no rhythm. Like as a white guy? Uh, like he is like if there's a spectrum of white guy rhythm he is for sure at the bottom of it like he was wooden and he was awkward and he says he's got a couple of catchphrases that he says way too much like uh, now that's just not true now that's just a lie let's be honest that kind of stuff and and it was kind of driving me a little bit like I, I was I was really struggling to pay attention to what he was saying he has the thinnest platform of everybody on the stage and and I mean, he didn't lose the debate. I think that Justin Trudeau is the clear loser of the debate because he also has the oh most my to lose. God. Yes, 100%. But for me, what was most interesting was how the uh, what, what I was watching for. And this is a little bit of inside baseball for, for Quebec. So if you're wondering what's going on in Quebec... The, the, the conservatives have been fighting for Quebec since the leadership race. And Andrew Scheer, you might be surprised to know this. I'm not you, Sandy, because I think we've probably talked about it. But listeners might be surprised to know that Scheer was the pick of Quebec conservatives. During the leadership race, his French was good. He was he was comfortable. He was personable. And Bernier was kind of more the pick of people outside of the province. Uh, he didn't even win his own seat for the leadership of the conservative party. And so for, for the last two years, Sheer has been building and building and building and building in Quebec. And tonight, I think what we watched was he lost a huge chunk of the ability of, of, of what will be his ability to win Quebec seats. There's a, there's a French language debate on Thursday. I suspect we're going to see an even worse performance. And Yves-Francois Blanchet from The Block totally did he walked in there and did everything that he needed to do and he he eviscerated the conservatives and made sheer look like a bumbling fool so that's what i was paying attention to a little bit niche but i mean what else can you expect for the conservatives <laughs> my analysis of sheer was that uh he didn't provide anything of substance did he everything that he said was like some sort of rhetoric and of course he was like really focused on justin trudeau he didn't really focus on anyone else in the debate, even in the times during the debate, which, you know, I know there's some criticism online about the format, but I do appreciate that they got to to talk to each other directly. I actually thought the format was pretty good myself. Yeah, me too. I liked it. Yeah, I didn't love the moderators, but I, you know, I thought the format was great. Like in his focus of Trudeau, like I thought he was being really honest, I suppose, about like how much he doesn't like Trudeau or how much he doesn't appreciate like it didn't come off as like some sort of rehearsed thing like Justin Trudeau did which we'll talk about later it didn't come <laughs> off rehearsed it came off like I fucking hate you and that was the first thing that was the first thing he said like the first thing he said in the debate you know 
was was some sort of attack on Justin Trudeau. It was about blackface. In fact, the person who talked about identity politics the most during this debate was Andrew Scheer, which was fucking hilarious. But he said <laughs> nothing of substance, no policy, nothing whatsoever. All he did was attack all night. And he had like these zingers that he, were clearly placed zingers, um, even though he was like honest uh, about his like dislike of Trudeau. Most of what 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 gave him uh, the ability to turn to that, you know, more uh, less uh, contrived rhetoric was really contrived rhetoric. It was really yeah. a bizarre approach uh, where I suppose what they're hoping to do is to clip the debate and just have uh, a whole bunch of clips of Andrew Scheer, like trying to mock almost in a funny way Trudeau. It was weird. It was super weird. Yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. Like they they think that they're gonna win by playing it extremely safe, and their platform is pretty 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 thin. And, you know, Trudeau said during the debate that that the conservatives are just trying to win the same way that Doug Ford won or Jason Kenney won with very, very little details in their platform. And that's true. And I think that, you know, journalists have not called that out at all. Like the focus has been so much on Trudeau that the lack of policy and then then of the policies that exist, the bizarre promises. I mean, yesterday's big announcement, you probably missed it because it was so ridiculous. Or maybe it was even today because my days are now running into each other. Is that the conservatives want to create a fucking museum dedicated to cops? I'm sorry. What? I, I mean, I mean, like, who <laughs> are they running for fucking school council? Like for that bullshit. <laughs> who? Who? Cops? Who? Did they cops. even? <laughs> Did they? Like, what the fuck? That is a federal election promise. Ugh. It's not right, and and so this so this is where this is where Canadians are really stuck between such shitty options that you know even people who are not ever going to consider voting conservative they benefit when the conservatives are actually offering a fucking platform and a vision because then you have an actual debate of ideas and instead we have sheer saying basically nothing and throwing out random shit like how great they will be for reconciliation and how you can never sign the un declaration on the rights of indigenous people because it'll get in the way of of business i mean he said that in the debate in the indigenous issues section and 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 no one's going to focus on that, I bet, and not in the mainstream. Uh, the, the the headline that I saw was just that Sheer called Trudeau a fraud. And and so one of the things that I think that Sheer's performance and Trudeau's performance uh, really demonstrate is that we're really we're witnessing the fall of the yes. old parties. And and I, we, we've, we're witnessing that across everywhere. We saw that in Quebec in the last election last year. And that is really what is happening is these parties are fucking spiraling into the past. And it's like both amazing and super awkward to watch. Okay. True. Let's skip over Trudeau and end with him because okay. I know we asked people, we asked our audience, but what, what you folks want to hear it, it, an episode on the debate or an episode on just shit talking the liberals. And I think that if we end with Trudeau, we can shit talk the liberals for the rest of the episode. Okay, totally. So Blanchette. So I was really impressed with Blanchette tonight. I really, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was better. I mean, I'm comparing him to Gilles Duceppe, right? So I thought he was better than Gilles Duceppe, who's like a very good politician. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing him in French. I did not catch the TVA French debate, so I'm not sure how that's going to come across. 
But the like the block has been in free fall for many years, and and like it, it was anyone's guess if they were even going to survive their last leadership issue with Martin Wallet, who was at the head of the block. So yeah, I thought he did really well. I mean, all he's supposed to do is defend Quebec's interests, and that's what he did. I mean, interests in the way that they understand them. And and I think that his goal was to take votes away from the conservatives, which he very successfully did, while c- very clearly staking out that uh, traditional bloc support that might also overlap with the CAC support of uh, folks who probably live in the regions, definitely don't live in downtown Montreal uh, or in ridings like in, in Quebec City, where of, the, of which there are many uh, that are currently hold by, held by, by conservatives. Honestly, I felt that he was highly awkward I thought that there were times during the debate (laughs) that he was like arguing things that had been said like 10 minutes earlier and it was like come on bro like catch up like keep keep up with us but uh, like I I thought he was really awkward like I didn't really think that okay I'll say that I appreciated that he didn't have that really uh like unbelievable polish that some politicians have where it's like so clear that they've rehearsed everything. Like I really did feel like he was um, considering the questions as they came and giving his honest opinion. And he didn't feel like a rehearsed mannequin, Mm. like, you know, like the fucking Trudeau and Sheer really felt like rehearsed mannequins. Um, And I appreciated that, but I honestly, I, <laughs> That's how I felt about him. I mean, you know, I am someone that has to like navigate another language all the time, and that other language being his first language. So I also have a soft spot in my heart for people that are struggling. <laughs> oh, totally. No, no, no. I'm. I am sure that that ha- might have something to do with it, and hopefully, like during the French language debate, we get a better sense of uh, him. But I just. Uh, mm. Yeah, the the only the only policy I'll, I'll highlight um, that I thought was pretty interesting was his response to equalization, where they want to repl- replace the equalization formula to be a formula that that privileges and punishes provinces based on pollution. I I was like, "Fuck you, Alberta." That sounds awesome. Yeah, that was um, that was unexpected. Yeah. And yeah. like an actual policy, you know what I mean? That could have been debated. But alas, the rest alas. of the leaders weren't interested. Alas. So so take a listen. Like <laughs> a true debate. I'm gonna live I'm gonna live tweet the French debate and um and the one other thing that, that, that folks might be interested to know is that there's a big they kept on talking about the GNL, uh the GNL line in Quebec that the block supports. The block also supports like really terrible road infrastructure that's super unpopular downtown Quebec City. Um it's it's been ripped apart by scientists, uh, including my partner. So I'm really excited to see if they change um if they cha- if they do an about face on the GNL gas line, which is basically the same as L- LNG in northern BC, which the NDP unfortunately support. Is that a segue? Or maybe we should do the Greens first. Oh, yeah. I think the Greens are first. We're going okay. right to left. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I well, because the block, I mean, the block is kind of like outside of the political spectrum in some ways. Yeah, but I think they, they fit in the center. They do. They, right now they do. That's they true. They fit in the center. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very good. Elizabeth May. Oh, I I have a bias against Elizabeth May because I find her insufferable and I find her debate style to be very annoying. So it's very hard for me to listen to her with like the clearest and fairest possible mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. You know what? I thought she had some really great moments, especially at the beginning where she was like, 
Okay, dudes, can we focus on some reality here? She was really trying to pull some of the bullshit that Trudeau and Sheer. What was interesting overall about the debate, like just a comment overall, is that Trudeau and Sheer were trying to do what they normally do in a debate, but Elizabeth May and Jagmeet Singh were not really allowing that to happen. They they kept trying to like pull them back, and it was Elizabeth May who started this at the beginning of the debate. Where, you know, they started to, you know, argue with one another, talk over one another or whatever about some bullshit about how they're the worst at this, that or the other. And she pulled them back. And those those moments were really useful to someone who's watching, like really exasperated at the state of yeah, our totally. really embarrassing politicians. So good on Elizabeth May for that. But be, But she also had some weird contrived moments that were like what are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm just so confused yeah. about some of the strategy there because it, I don't know if they're like getting some sort of prep where it's like, Oh, look, you can really appeal to an audience watching at home. If you say that you recognize somebody on screen, um, <laughs> or, Oh yeah. That folksiness is fucking not, it's just too much. <laughs> it's so weird. I I just thought that she had a lot of like really contrived moments too and I don't know I don't know what did you think yeah so I I really had a, a hard time with how every 10 seconds I think it's like a way for her to ease into a question she says something super fluffy that is useless to listen to and then she will sometimes then pivot to something that's interesting because she was one of the few uh, that had policy that was talking about policy and um and the, the 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 real problem with the greens is they have not figured out a way to properly communicate why their plan is better than the NDP in their minds and so it just sounds like sniping um and it's the same actually the NDP has not really done this hasn't been able to do the same either and so when the two parties argue with each other on the environment i honest to god i'm like what the fuck difference is is it like do i have to look into their platforms myself and do the analysis myself because it, it it's all very technical and um and and neither is going to save us from catastrophic climate change and so i kind of wish that the that the greens would have thought more strategically about what their role really should be in general and rather than like any time that she spent going after the ndp should have been spent really digging into the other into the conservatives into the liberals um I, and i know that the greens and the ndp are like really fighting each other in a lot of ridings but that's not going to be where, like, you're not going to win one of those ridings or lose one of those ridings on this debate. If she really wants to be a person that brings people together, then she probably should have done a better job uh, piercing through how the liberals have have made such a mess of the climate file. I also cannot stand how fucking, like, touchy-feely and, and, and loving everybody she is. And how, like, will you participate in our... Um, you know, our non-political fucking cross-partisan bullshit. It's like, who cares? Yeah, I know. What a waste of a question. Fuck, <laughs> what a waste who of a... cares? I hate wasted questions like that. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, no, you're totally right about that. Yeah, she, she also... She was very thin on all of their other policy, like on the environment stuff. She's very strong. She's very specific, but she was very thin on the other policy. She didn't even talk about the universal basic income, which is one of my biggest policy criticisms of them. And uh, and I, I don't know if you got this, but she said something like, "We're gonna attack tuition." Yeah, she said or something ban like tuition. This. They're gonna ban, ban tuition. tuition. She and said ban. Just for <laughs> folks at home, <laughs> tuition means education. Like tuition means learning. 
tuition fees is probably what she was talking about. <laughs> Don't ban tuition. That would be bad for everybody. <laughs> Super bad. So anyway, like she, had a, I think she probably had a good night. I would put her on a seven on a scale of one to ten. Um, but I was still annoyed having to listen to her. Yeah, I think she had a good night. My her most annoying um, moment for me was when she said. Mr. Shear, you're not going to win. It's the, What we're debating here is whether it's going to be a liberal, uh, a Justin Trudeau-led majority or a Justin Trudeau-led <laughs> minority. That was weird. And that was so strange that she would do something like that because, of course, as we know, if it truly is a minority government and some combination of the Greens or the NDP hold the balance of power, they could, of course, choose a leader that is not Justin Trudeau if they wanted to and I think that it's really weird for her um, to put out that type of messaging that it's going to be Justin Trudeau no matter what because for the audience who's listening you know I you know I just think it's really demotivating demobilizing uh, to do something like that because obviously it doesn't have to be that way totally and also like like depending on how many seats the block get and how many seats the NDP get and the Greens are going to pick up some seats I mean this is a really exciting election from the perspective of anything can happen so being like fuck you Sheer, you're not going to win <laughs> is a bit of a weird strategic move <laughs> yeah totally very strange okay NDP what a great night for Singh Holy shit, he did so well. Yeah, I'm I'm really impressed. I'm I'm not at so well. I'm at well. I thought he was like where I thought he did very well was he was comfortable, he was having fun. He uh, was thinking on his feet and when he was thinking on his feet his answers were really good. I mean, there was a question I think that Bernier asked him and and maybe actually you even mentioned it already, or maybe I'm thinking of something else. But there was a moment where he uh, really turned the, the 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 tables on the way the question was asked, and, and in such an excellent way that it was like he is clear minded and and doing really really well. Yeah, he he was like a real person, which was like more than anyone yeah. else on the stage. Um, I I thought that uh, his answers felt really sincere, but more than that, he kept turning everything back to policy, every opportunity that he got. And that's what we need. We need a debate that's on actual issues. And besides Elizabeth May and Jagmeet Singh, nobody there seemed interested in talking about actual issues. And I could have benefited from a debate between just Elizabeth May and Jagmeet Singh so that I could really yes. understand what the difference was between their climate policies. <laughs> Honestly, totally. But he was the person who was the most interested in talking about issues and in responding in a way that felt really real. Like, you know, when when asked about, you know, it was just so strange that he was the person who was first asked about um, like immigration or diversity. Um, and then everybody else got to respond to him in particular. But he did so well. Um talking back to them I just I thought he he did really well I was impressed yeah the the only where the only place where I was less impressed and it it kind of is more about his overall campaign because this is not unique to the debates is how he responds to questions about cost of living the NDP should own cost of living they should be able to point out all of the policies that they want to implement 
to really show how they're going to reduce the cost of living for average people. And unfortunately, like he spends, I think, too much time talking about where they're going to get the money. It's a it's an offensive move to make sure that people are like, well, how are you going to get the money? Right. And talking about getting money from the rich is really important. But he mentioned it a lot tonight. And I would have liked to have heard more about those cost reducing measures for families. He didn't mention post-secondary education at all. Um, the no, pharmacare- that was really uh, weird, actually. I was really surprised that he did not mention post-secondary education at all. And I hope that that trend doesn't continue. Like, come on, basic. Well, in Unless it's like a sign that they're about to like release an interesting policy on higher education because their policy so far has been panned and they might with a bit of confidence and wind in their sails, maybe they're ready to fucking promise something more. So that would be my hopeful interpretation. But, you know, they didn't talk about home care. They didn't really talk about um, health, uh, health care beyond pharmacare. So like. A bit like the Canada Health Transfer, what what are they going to do with that? Um, they didn't mention their free public transit policy, so it's just it was just a really missed opportunity, I thought. But I mean, these were not fatal um, these were not fatal errors, I don't think. I think that his authenticity pushed through the lack of um, of comment on some of their more specific promises to reduce the cost of living. Okay. So now let's go to the person who arguably should have performed the best, given that he's the incumbent. He's done this before. This is his, like, wheelhouse. Justin Trudeau. Yeah. What a guy. What a failed night for him. I yeah, I actually thought he was going to snap at some point in the debate. I thought that he was going to snap at Elizabeth May at some point. There was a point where they were going back and forth. And I was like, oh, here he comes. Here's Angry Trudeau. Here's the guy that Selena Caesar Chavan has been telling us about. <laughs> yes. like, this is the person that Jody Wilson-Raybould has been telling us about. But um, he got it under control. But he got a little... I thought he was going to lose it on her. Yeah, I really did. I did too. He he did not seem focused. He did not seem. He was definitely not at ease. I mean, like I don't know if it was the stress of the night, if the stress of the campaign, um, but like he was not on his game. A full disaster is what I would say. <laughs> um, he he did not have a lot of airtime, which is bizarre. There are the, there are the, these moments built into the debate where anyone could respond to anyone. And if and if you've watched any election debates before, you know that generally the entire debate is that like you can really truly interrupt anyone if you really want to. You might seem like a little bit of a dick, but you can do it. You have to and do get, it. Yeah. More time, which is what Maxime Bernier did that we were referring to earlier. Justin Trudeau neither did that, like interrupting at the moments where he was he's technically not allowed, even though the the moderators were being super lax about it. Nor did he do it at the moments where he could, where it was like open open season on everyone part of the debate, and that happened at least four or five times, and he did not make opportunity of that so there were large moments where you didn't hear from Trudeau for really large periods of time which was really really bizarre it was as though he was unprepared to debate policy and then he actually screwed up debating policy like he accused Jagmeet Singh of having uh, the NDP having a policy to like build a refinery in Alberta and how that was bad for uh, as, as a climate platform. And Jagmeet was like, that's 
I don't know where you got that from. That's like just not part of our platform. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then and then Trudeau repeated it. It was it was like and, and Jugmeet Singh's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It was very, very bizarre. And watching it, you know, I'm like I'm on Twitter. I'm trying to figure this out myself. And it looks like he was either referring to an Alberta NDP policy or initiative or a Green Party policy or initiative which is just so bizarre to fuck that up in the middle, not even the middle, at the end of a debate. Like, come on, dude, what's going on with you? Yeah, he easily could have um, taken apart the conservatives' um, pr- a promise on foreign affairs, on, on funding, uh, on international funding. He easily could have managed a lot of the other uh, things that came up in the debate he instead he referenced Stephen Harper way too many times. It's like guy so many times. Holy fuck! I mean, he is he still alive? Like, does that matter anymore? Which was so bizarre because also both Elizabeth May and Jagmeet Singh did a very good job of saying you are continuing Harper's uh, policies. Like you have not undone uh, Harper's policies. Both of them made that very clear throughout the night uh, in their direct um, conversations with Trudeau. And he did nothing like he had no response. Exactly. And and it's it, like the, the veneer is falling. We are seeing that that shine disappear as he's being challenged more and more on his record. You know, I just finished reading the Trudeau formula by Martin Lukacs, and it goes through a lot of these issues that Trudeau promised big things that have not delivered. And um, and I think, you know, average people see it, obviously, everything from their reconciliation agenda to their climate change agenda to um, to electoral reform, to the Saudi arms deal, to the immigration and refugee treatment, and then lies around how we're treating people at the border. I mean, people can see through this and you just feel that the campaign knows that it might be fucked, which I think that they should be fucked. I think that 100 well, percent they deserve to be fucked. <laughs> they don't exactly. They, they're offering not enough. They're not taking any responsibility for the last four years. And instead, what we've been left with are these schemey fucking piece of shit legislation like the changes to the Elections Act that has thrown third party spending totally into like confusion zone, this federal debates commission, a whole bunch of, of policies like giving oversight to the Canada Border Services Agency, which was a promise that they made. They couldn't even get that legislation passed because, oh, why? Right. Because Trudeau kicked out every member of his caucus in the Senate. And so the Senate went from a body that was shitty, but at least like followed party lines of what was elected to now being a bunch of independents being like, no, no, we want to take fucking six years to pass legislation. It's like, Trudeau, you fucking did this to yourself. Congratulations. You should have abolished the Senate, which was an NDP promise, which is weird that they're not talking about that actually in this election. But anyway. Yeah. uh, Also, his climate change comments were (laughs) were just so like dastardly like you can't you can't yeah you know the the type of shit that you put out on twitter trudeau like where you're like oh we banned plastic straws you can't say that in a debate standing next to elizabeth may and think that that's gonna fly like you can't do that how could you possibly think that the zinger of like what he thought was gonna be a zinger when he like turned to elizabeth may and said climate targets are not a plan I've got a plan. That's why we banned plastic straws. Like, what? 
Dude, targets are in fact part of a plan, clearly. Like that you usually when you come up with a plan, like probably your campaign plan, you have targets that you want to meet. That is totally a plan. Getting rid of straws is absolutely not a plan. That makes no sense. That's not going to do anything to avert the climate <laughs> crisis. And it was just so it was just like such a bald example of how uh, the liberals have operated under Justin Trudeau for the last four years. Just like nothingness, pure nothingness um, directed at us over and over again. And so all of those moments between him and Sheer, where Sheer at least came out like looking like he was being honest and being like, I hate you, Justin Trudeau. And Justin Trudeau being like, well, you're worse than me because. And then Sheer saying, well, you're worse than me because. And Trudeau saying, well, you're more racist. And uh, Sheer saying, well, you're more misogynist. And then Justin saying, you're more misogynist. It was just so boring. Yeah. Like, who wants that? Like, what the fuck? Like, I did not tune in here to see you guys talk about how y'all suck more than the other. Like, it was really, really fucking stupid. Yeah, and, and, and Jugmeet did a very good job to play, like, average Canadian guy. <laughs> Being like, oh, this is boring, guys. Uh, stop that. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So one of the cues that I picked up on uh, was the debate around the Bill 21, which is Quebec's religious symbols bill, uh, re- religious symbols ban legislation. And I thought that it was really interesting that the liberals have totally changed the rhetoric on this. So mm-hmm. we have a situation in Quebec where like the bloc and the liberals are never competing against each other. Those are two very separate voting blocks. The bloc competes with the conservatives. They compete with the NDP. The liberals compete with the NDP. So you can draw yourself a Venn diagram if you really want to visualize the provincial kind of climate in Quebec and then throw the greens in there somewhere, fucking competing with all of them, really. And so tonight was the first time that Trudeau really uh, laid into the NDP for not promising to challenge Bill 21 in court and made some overtures to uh, federalism uh, when challenging uh, Blanchette. In fact, I don't know if you noticed, but I felt like fucking Pierre Trudeau himself was going to like jump out of his fucking skin. <laughs> he was like <laughs> really turned on by talking about federalism at the end of the debate. And this says to me that the liberals are in panic mode because like debating whether or not you should challenge Bill 21 in court I I fully think the NDP has made the right decision by saying they will not challenge it because the bill has the notwithstanding clause written into it. And so a challenge is going to go to the Supreme Court. It's going to be ruled unconstitutional and they're going to go and we've already declared Section 33. So what the fuck was that court challenge for? Right. It would be a waste of time, a waste of money. There's other ways that need to be used to fight this legislation. We can have maybe a conversation about that later. But I think that the NDP has, has got it right on this one. But the Liberals, knowing that in, it's such an unpopular piece of legislation in, in Montreal specifically, that they need to take away any opportunity that the, that the NDP might have to win seats in downtown Montreal, in Montreal in general. And and so I think that they've decided, like, federalism, that's how we're going to do it. And we're going to do it by challenging a racist law because it's the right thing to do, even if it's, like... I mean, Trudeau has no problem challenging fucking legal decisions where he's in the wrong. Like, for example, the the Human Rights Tribunal that says that they're underfunding Indigenous child welfare, for example. Right. 
So that's a really interesting pivot to me. And I suspect we're going to see that more and more as they're realizing that the NDP is going to rise in the polls and, and, and playing on Bill 21 specifically for outside of Quebec, I think is going to be one of their main campaign strategies. Um, I think you're right. I I don't necessarily agree with you on the NDP's position, so perhaps we should talk about that at the next uh, in our next episode. But <laughs> I do think what's really interesting is the way that um, people from marginalized communities, Indigenous communities, uh, people of color, are being used is at, within the rhetoric of all the parties, um, and I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. I don't think it's been, um, you know, besides the NDP, I think that especially the conservatives really interestingly are using political are using uh, people's identities um, as a as proxies uh, for trying to shame uh, some of the other leaders rather than actually talking about issues um that that should be addressed and one final thing that i want to note and i know this is already a longer episode so i just did you also think that it was weird that all of the white leaders like congratulated jugmeet on on the way that he dealt with racism throughout the campaign with the exception of blanchette did blanchette i can't remember he may have i can't remember now um they were all like congratulations on the way that you've dealt with that racism you so uh, Justin Trudeau actually called him eloquent. You're so eloquent on racism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, did you catch yeah, that? Yeah, that was, it was like they may have walked over to him uh, and pat him on the uh, head, right? It's like. You know what I mean? It was so terrible. It was just so, it just icky. It was very icky. Yeah, it, there's, a, there's a special kind. I mean, there may, maybe there's a, a German word for this because the Germans have such great words um, for like <laughs> Trudeau congratulating him on confronting racism having been the guy wearing blackface you know what i mean (laughs) very very awkward um and so you know we've gone over time but i think it's important that we definitely spend some time shit talking the liberals more i mean we already have Oh yeah. I th- okay, let's do it. You know, I'm always for it. I think I think that's what people want to hear and you know, we can follow up some of the themes for from this from next week, but you know, let's maybe take 5 minutes. What what do you want to say to people who are still considering voting liberal who would call themselves progressive? Look, especially after a performance like tonight, like I just don't understand how you could justify to yourself um, that it's okay to vote for Justin Trudeau's party. This is a party um, that is taking a decision um, of a human rights tribunal to to support uh, people who have been harmed through terrible policies of can- genocidal policies of Canada um, in the way that it treats indigenous children. They're they're appealing that decision despite all of their rhetoric on supporting and um, engaging with indigenous and First Nations community like communities like nation to nation relationships. Bullshit. Um, This is a party that has a terrible, terrible track record um, on dealing with issues that are really at the heart of what some of the poorest, the most marginalized uh, people who live uh, in this country go through this is a party that has promised again and again 
things like pharmacare, child care, uh, even their big marquee promise from the last election, which was to end first past the post, their promises on, on the climate crisis. None of these things have come to fruition. And yet they come to a debate and they expect your vote based on the fact that, and this was their entire strategy, that guy, Sheer, is worse. How could you continue to support people who believe that they deserve your vote because they're, they're not as bad And quite frankly, they kind of are because they continue all of the policies of the previous conservative governments, right? That they're not as bad and continue these really heinous policies that super harm people. I just, I don't understand, you know, like there are people in this debate, there are people in this election that are actually offering real solutions that haven't been given an opportunity before that for, you know, for us to see what their record could be like. And I'm like, fuck, why would we want that guy again? Why would we want Sheer? Why would we want Trudeau? I don't know. It makes more sense when there is an, a viable alternative being offered to vote for that viable alternative. Yeah, 100. So I'm be voting for Andrew Cash <laughs> when I go to Toronto on Saturday. Yeah. Andrew Cash has got my vote. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, you got to vote early. Eh? Yes, I'm going to vote early. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think that, as I said earlier, that we are in such a pivotal moment. And if you are a progressive person, that you understand that things are getting worse and they are going to continue to get worse unless something major happens at the political level, then you cannot vote liberal in good conscience. It's impossible. And as things get worse, like don't let people scare you into thinking that the conservatives are just going to win. There are people that go between the conservatives and the liberals. And there's people that go between the liberals and the other parties, whether it's the NDP or the Greens. And this is if if there's ever been an election where you're like, you know what, I won't vote strategically. I'm not going to vote out of fear. I'm actually going to vote for policies that I that I like. Uh, or my local candidate who I like, like fucking do it (laughs) because the liberals, they're like an abusive boyfriend who just doesn't (laughs) want you to realize how fucking bad it has been. And he's like reading you the newspapers like, whoa, that guy killed his girlfriend. Aren't you lucky that I didn't kill? Like, it's like these are all shades of all of shit. (laughs) They're all shades of shit that can easily be fixed if the liberals are confronted by a popular movement that rejects their fucking form of politics. And quite frankly, there are communities in this country or who live on this land who cannot like who who can't afford another liberal government. We can't afford another liberal government for some of these policies. Like for fuck's sake, there there is a a climate crisis that has all of our lives in the balance and we can't afford another government that's going to say one thing and do a totally different thing. We know that's what they're going to do. They have a long record of doing it. And let's not forget two short elections ago that the liberals, you know, like they tell you they're the only option, but the NDP was the official opposition in this country. 
Okay, like there isn't just uh, only two options. And like, let's be clear, that's because Quebec doesn't give a fuck about what everybody tells them about what the options are. So it would be really nice (laughs) if the rest of Canada would also, you know, be like, you know what, we're just going to vote for what policies we're actually really interested in. We're not going to care what people tell us about how there's only two options. There aren't only two options. There's multiple ways that this could turn out. And this is one of the best elections for us to actually make that happen. 